Welcome to the Queen City Control Room podcast. We are doing our fifth episode today. How's it going? Not bad. I'm glad we're recording again because this is the first time we're recording since the college basketball season started. Facts. So three days are, in. Yeah, we're three days in. Four day, oh, today's the fourth day. So four days in to the college basketball season starting on Monday the 7th. Been a lot of really good action so far. So it's been uh it's been really exciting to watch. Yeah, we have a lot of games, but most of them have been blowouts, so we probably won't cover 99% <laughs> of them, but that's okay. Oh, also, also, since we last recorded, the Hornets haven't won a game, so that's awesome. On a on a nice uh what are we at? Six game losing streak right now, currently sitting in dead last in the Eastern Conference behind the likes of the Orlando Magic. So if you're not first, you're last though. So <laughs> so we're all in last. Yeah, it's one of those things you kind of expect when you know your franchise cornerstone's out with an injury that you have no clue when he's coming back from. Potentially your best defender is also out with an injury. Maybe not best defender anymore, depending on how you compare Cody Martin and DSJ, but I guess that and the guy who you're paying millions and millions and millions of dollars to and Gordon Hayward also sitting out with an injury, which I guess was only shoulder soreness when he first came out with the injury. Um, And I don't know that it's ever been discussed any differently. So I guess we're just evaluating Gordon's sore shoulder i don't know what the i got i don't know what the technical injury is but on the injury report they've been saying shoulder contusion but contusion i don't know what that means i'm not a doctor let's use some normal words sore shoulder frustrating start either way i mean i think probably this is the start that people expected before the season Mm -hmm. but then you start out the season three and three, you take away wins from the the Hawks who are a good team, the Warriors who have turned out not to be a great team. And then you pound the Spurs who were supposed to be a bad team, but turned out to be, or to have a better start, I guess, than most people would have expected. So you start out for the Hornets three and three, and you're like, well, maybe it's not so bad. We don't have LaMelo, but we're still playing pretty decent. And then you lose six in a row. And I should say the the Hornets are currently in the middle of a game or towards the end of a game against the Miami Heat in Miami. Um, I know I'm 30 seconds ahead of you on the playback, Josh, but we're going to overtime. We're going to overtime at one tied at 104. So the Heat themselves haven't had a great start either, but maybe we can steal away a win here and the six game losing streak and not be the first team in the NBA to 10 losses. (laughs) That yeah, would be nice. Or three and nine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Hornets be- went to three and three. I was feeling well, hopeful. They trapped me into betting Hornets to make the play-in and Hornets to make the playoffs. <laughs> and they lost six in a row. That's a that's a rough start. <sighs> so maybe I jinxed them, but it's tough. There is a there was a quote from PJ, I think, after their last game here. Their last game they lost against Portland last night i guess we're we are recording on thursday the 10th um they lost to the blazers last night wednesday the 9th 95 to 105 i guess 105 to 95 and there was a quote from pj i think it was after the game or something where 
you know, the point he's trying to get across is that the NBA is a very streaky league. Teams go on runs and it's pretty normal. Um, but what PJ said in the, in response to the question that he had gotten was, you know, in the NBA, you can lose 10 in a row and then you can win your next five. <laughs> but like what actually comes out of that is if that actually happens, you're still, you know, five games under 500. Like <laughs> you're not in a good spot if that happens. So I feel like that's kind of the roller coaster that we're on right now where expectations are kind of back to where they were in the preseason when the team looked awful and Lamelo went down with his injury. Yeah, not the best spot to be in, but. We're going to get a great draft pick, that's all. At least we didn't come into the season with high expectations, and now we're sitting at three and nine. Like Maybe you think about the Lakers or the Warriors especially, who are, what, four and seven right now? Um, I can't remember if they're playing tonight or not, but they're four and seven. At least they were as of before the recording, before tonight's game started. Mm -hmm. So be in a little bit more of a rough position if we were them, I would say. Yeah, true. So we'll see how it goes. Oh, man. A lot of good games, though, recently in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Luka's still showing out for the Mavs. Yeah, the Bucks... we were watching the Mavs game earlier today. Not was I? I? No, oh, I thought I you were asking me. No, no, no. I was. <laughs> you might have been, but we weren't watching it together. Correct. But... They kept feeding Luca in the post, and then they would double him every single play, and he would kick it to a shooter every single play. Like, if Luca can make those cross-court passes and you double him and he still gets the ball out, I don't know what teams are even going to do to defend him. Right. It's, like, unguardable. You have the uh, – so you have Luca still crushing it leading the league in scoring, I'm pretty sure. You still have the Bucks in first place in the East. Um, but I will say they did finally take their first loss against Atlanta, which couldn't have come in on the uh, game that I actually bet for Atlanta to cover <laughs> the spread. But they did finally take their first loss. They lost in Miami by about 20 points, I think, 19, 20 points. The interesting part was the Bucks were at full health and obviously minus Chris Middleton. The Hawks were actually without Trey, but DeJounte put up 25 and AJ Griffin, who they just got in the draft from Duke, uh, put up 24, which I think is his career high at this point, only, you know, 10 games into the season or whatever. So I would guess so. And Dennis Smith Jr. just probably sprained his ankle. Can't walk on it. So that's good. Yeah. Delightful. The Bucks also almost lost to the Thunder last night in double overtime, which was interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not expect that. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy things happening in the NBA this season, but I kind of like that it's not been a predictable season so far. I mean, I guess if you're in the East, you probably expected the Bucks to be near the top, but if you're looking at the rest of the standings, I mean... Celtics and Cavs, you probably anticipate being decent. Hawks, you anticipate being a middle-of-the-road team. Toronto, you anticipate being a middle-of-the-road team. Then you have, like, the Knicks at seven, the Wizards at eight, both ahead of the Sixers at nine. Indiana is the 10th seed. Then you have the Nets, the Heat, in 11th and 12th. Those are things you would have not expected or would not have expected. Um, yeah. The season started. And then, obviously, 
the big point in the Western Conference is the Jazz, which is pretty insane. Jazz are amazing. I saw a quote from someone that described the situation pretty perfectly where they were talking about how basically the jazz took a bunch of players who were like one man shows kind of, or like to kind of run the game themselves and threw them all together. And that was kind of part of the reason that everyone was expecting them to tank because you put generally speaking, you put all those players together. They're not going to play that well because everybody wants to be, you know, the guy, Mm -hmm. but they obviously know how to play together because they are 10 and three or yeah, 10 and three and leading the Western conference right now. They're going to win 74 games this year. Win the record. <laughs> that would be fun. Definitely could happen. Lori Markinen MVP. Watch out. It's technically not mathematically impossible at this point. So no, could see it. Let's talk about our, uh, picks from last week oh, while we're yeah. talking about individual individual nba games i'll start with my favorite the Cavs minus seven at the pistons these games all took place on the 4th of november if anyone's going to go back and check check the box scores if anyone's going to um, fact check us if anyone's going to fact check us or if we're going to fact check ourselves the Cavs won the game by 27 i think obviously easily covered The interesting part for me was that the Cavs were without Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, both nursing injuries during that game, but sixth man of the year, Kevin Love put up 21 and Jared Allen had 23 and seven. And the eye popping line for me was that Evan Mobley had 11 and eight, which is normal. Then he also had eight blocks. That's pretty insane. King. You know where the leader and the six man of the year odds are right now? I don't think you're going to guess them. I have no clue. Russell Westbrook. Oh, I should have actually guessed him. Everyone's popping off about Russ right now. You see the, uh, I I love the NBA. uh, I don't even know what you'd call them. Like NBA Twitter accounts that are like NBA central or NBA rumors or whatever. Um, the, the accounts that always speed out like, oh, teams are starting to call about such and such player. And like mm-hmm. they, they could tweet it out without actually knowing. But I always take it as gospel, even though it's probably not true. Ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> but I saw one of those accounts tweet today like, oh, teams have started to call because they're showing interest in Russell Westbrook. And I'm like, you're telling me that after they shit talked him the entire offseason through the first couple games when he was starting for Los Angeles you know, looked like absolute garbage. Now all of a sudden he's strung together a couple good games coming off the bench and teams are all of a sudden interested in Russell Westbrook. I mean, come on now. (laughs) I don't don't know. know. He's only two years removed from when he was in Washington and had like three nights where he put up 25 and 25. I think he's situation. He needs a better, a better fit. That's exactly what I was just going to say. I think he's kind of, stuck in a bad situation with the Lakers and he if he was on a different team he might actually flourish so yeah you got to surround him with shooters so he can get his assists but surrounding him with below average shooters is not the move yeah it'll be interesting to see where he ends up um speaking of trade rumors though I saw uh, what was the account this account called hoops 
It, the the at on Twitter is hoop mix only. That's and, official. Uh, well, that's what I was. It seemed like with all of the craziness on Twitter right now, with people creating fake accounts and buying the verified check marks and everything. I feel like, especially over the last couple of days, you don't really know what to believe. And there's a lot of parody accounts like, you know, someone created the fake LeBron account saying that he was leaving uh, the Lakers and everything and, and stuff like that. So I saw this tweet that said, you know, breaking news with a picture of KD on it. And it said, Kevin Durant is informed of the Nets. He plans to request to be traded. <laughs> he hasn't actually requested it yet, but he's planning to request it. And I'm like, okay, that's a parody account along with all of the other crazy tweets that are out right now. Mm -hmm. But I clicked on the account and it's followed. It says everything hoops featured on ESPN, ESPN, NBA, sports center and complex. Um, and it's followed by some legit people like the slam, the official slam account. It's followed by this betting account that I follow. It's followed by Donovan Mitchell and a couple other NBA players, which leads me to believe that it is a legit, like not news account i guess but mm -hmm. generally you can believe the kind of stuff that they're tweeting out so if you take that for what it is i mean kd re requesting what nine ten games into the season that he's going to be traded again or requesting to be traded isn't totally unexpected but i mean yeah. after the off after the off season they just had then he comes back and he's like actually you know i'm gonna stay in brooklyn i want to work this out and i want to play basketball and then here we are 10 games into the season and he is, you know, now saying, actually, I want to, I want to be traded. If I was him, I'd probably want to be traded too. I watched the game yesterday when they played the Knicks, not yesterday for everybody listening, but yesterday for us today, they kept putting Cam Reddish on KD and he was just destroying him pretty much picking him apart. He looks good right now. Yeah, I mean, he's the only thing that the team has going for it, really. Obviously, Kyrie's out right now, and mm -hmm. I think Ben Simmons is back playing a little bit off the bench, but obviously he's not contributing at all because he sucks. So <laughs> for all those at home keeping track, you can check off this episode as Nick's Ben Simmons <laughs> remarks. <laughs> My, uh, I don't know that it's necessarily a hot take at this point, but. I'm just going to put it out into the universe right now that by the trade deadline, when the trade deadline comes to pass, KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons will all be off of the Brooklyn Nets roster. That's my... All three of them? All three of them. That would be my... I don't want to call it a hot take, but if I could get some you know, odds maker to give me some odds on that, I would take it in a heartbeat. I'd say it's a hot take for all three of them to be gone. <laughs> I think, I think, honestly, I do think that Brooklyn just needs to go through the rebuild that they were planning on. And I think that they're probably going to end up doing that by the end of the season, at least getting the ball rolling. And I think by the trade deadline, all three are going to be gone. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say at least one of them. It's a possibility, two of them, and a slight possibility, all three of them. Those are I mean, the that, odds I'll give you. <laughs> that or, if I had to put odds on it, I'm guessing that all three of them out all three of them gone from the roster by the trade deadline. trade deadline would probably be like plus 2,500. Um, but I think some of the, some of the, some of the things that kind of lend itself to that conclusion, I think is just that the organization is just in pure shambles right now. I mean, 
obviously everyone knows now that they went back on their plans to hire Ime Udoka and they hired Jacques Vaughn or Jacques Vaughn. I'm guessing that's how you say his name. And he gave his, I don't know if it was like the press conference announcing him as head coach or whatever. I mean, he was the interim coach, right? The interim head coach. So they just took the interim label off, but he gave his press conference and basically was just like, I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing, but you know, I, he's basically said, I know I'm the second choice. Like it is what it is. I was my wife's second choice and look, we've been married for 20 (laughs) years. So, you know, kind of here we are and this is, it is what it is type of a deal. And I think that he's going to do what he can as the head coach, but I think the organization just needs to like cleanse itself of all of the bad juju and just start fresh and come back next year. It's better than coach Clifford being like the sixth choice. That is true. That's true. Can't argue with that. <laughs> for my favorite for last week, I had the Bucks minus three at the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are still not doing good. The Bucks beat them 115 to 102. Giannis had a 26-point triple-double. Anthony Edwards had 24, and Cat had 22, so not bad, but not too much interesting to report in that game. Yeah, kind of a sleeper game. Um, we took the win and that's all that matters. Can't argue with that. Minnesota, man, (sighs) that team is garbage right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're five. Anthony seems like Anthony Edwards is like, I don't even know. He's not playing hard or something like he's standing around at the three point line a lot and just not hustling up and down the court or something but it comes off as he's just being lazy or something right now. He was getting criticized for not doing what he did the last couple of years. Like, you know, going in, he's made a name for himself, dunking over everybody and everything. And he was being criticized for that. I don't know, a week ago or so. And um, he basically said like, I'm small, man. I can't dunk over everybody. It's like, (laughs) you did it for two years. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what is going on with that team. I feel like it's more of a, I feel like the problem probably more so from an outsider's perspective who hasn't watched obviously, you know, a whole lot of Minnesota Timberwolves basketball this season is that there's like kind of a power vacuum a little bit. Everybody like, like I was talking about a little earlier, but everybody kind of wants to be the guy, but cat isn't getting it done. Rudy Gobert is not going to be your franchise centerpiece and Anthony Edwards could be, but they're not giving him like the, ability to just go out and do what he has to do to excel and obviously it doesn't look like he's trying either so that doesn't help but I don't know you kind of all have to work together to get to that point you can't necessarily put it on any one player but Minnesota's trash I mean their record Mm -hmm. they're only five and seven still better than the Hornets but I feel like if I was if the Hornets were playing Minnesota I would probably still take Charlotte even though they have a worse record by two games yeah I saw a trade rumor yesterday probably no truth to it in the slightest but (laughs) they mocked d'angelo russell to the nets plus a first round pick for Kyrie. that would add to the ego circus going on there i that would be even that would probably be an even bigger disaster for for minnesota but (laughs) i also can't imagine Kyrie irving playing in minneapolis especially like during the harsh of winter and everything even though he's in new york now but 
I just can't imagine him playing in Minnesota in a small, small market like that. Yeah. I think he got his fair share when he was in Cleveland for all those years. Yeah, I would say. Did you see, uh, speaking of D'Angelo Russell, the play last night against the Suns when like, I don't know, D'Angelo Russell looked like he forgot or didn't realize that he was supposed to be on the court. So the Suns were playing five on four for a possession and ended up hitting a three. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I forget what count tweet, what account my phone just died with like nine seconds left in the Hornets game. So that's great. Um, I forgot what account tweeted it out, but you know, on, on all of D'Angelo Russell's uh, social media accounts, he's like at deloading or whatever. Someone tweeted out, um, Oh, he was just still loading. <laughs> like that. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's, it's not his fault. He, we should, free him from this narrative everybody's putting out there either the people at the booth should be like hey buddy you're in the game we just checked you in or his coach should have not been just standing there looking at him or maybe someone on the floor when they realized they only had four guys or he could have realized himself too but yeah there's probably about a million different things that could have happened to actually eradicate the situation but pretty hilarious thing that you do not see all that often in in an nba game the hornets lost by five tonight that sounds about right but at least they scored over 100 at least we're leading the race for the (laughs) tanking we are the first team in the eastern conference to 10 losses the houston rockets are two and ten so they beat us there across the, the league um, but I saw a stat about the Hornets basic, you know, offensive woes, I guess we'll call them. The Hornets have the most games in the NBA by a team with fewer than 100 points this season, uh, with five games scoring less than hundred and they actually scored a hundred once. So almost six games, but four of them happened within the Hornets last five games, i.e., during the six game losing streak, now seven game losing streak that they're on. So pretty depressing all the way around to watch this team try to compete and just absolutely get obliterated every, every night at this point. We're loading right now. We're just building. We're loading. <laughs> We're built different. Let's see. Yeah, we've got losses to Memphis by what probably could have been like 70, but they ended up only losing by 31. Lost to Brooklyn by four, lost to Washington by eight, it lost to Portland by 10, and now lost to Miami by five. All mm-hmm. from the all from the last time we recorded. So I think there's five games there. But like I said, at least we came into the season knowing that, hey, like I think I said before, I don't know if it was on the recording or um, on one of our earlier episodes or if it was just kind of in another conversation we had, but my thought preseason was, you know, the ceiling for this team is maybe getting the 10th seed and making it into the play-in tournament. So I'm not all that surprised. I'm not shocked, but I do feel a little bit disgruntled, I would say. Um having to watch the team like fail to compete every night, basically. Yeah, I could, I could say disgruntled. I'd agree <laughs> with that. Trying to be, uh, trying to use a word that 
is accurate but fair and that seems appropriate so i'll take it (laughs) interesting i did see this on twitter i don't have snapchat anymore i don't know anyone my age that does but good thing we're not the same age then (laughs) (laughs) but i saw someone post the snapchat on twitter miles bridges apparently posted in his on his snapchat story a picture of him in a hornet's uniform i mean like it wasn't a picture that he took himself but like a picture of him like a, in an official hornet's uniform from at some point in his career mm-hmm. and like i don't know it kind of started the uh, speculation running rampant on twitter about what does this mean is he having discussions with the hornets you know what's going to happen there and i don't want to bite on that necessarily because we could have a whole probably two hour conversation about it, have it go nowhere and still wait six months for something to happen. But um, yeah, I don't know. Be interesting to see what happens there. I obviously don't want to see him in a Hornets uniform any anymore. I think it's time to move on. And I think that no matter what happens, the NBA is going to step in and, and take some sort of disciplinary action. They're just not doing it until he's actually signed to a team. Um, I don't think we talked about it last week, but in extremely short, he he pled no contest, which means he doesn't technically get, you know, convicted. He doesn't plead guilty to the charges that were brought against him. It's almost like a, accepting the conclusion without formally saying, yeah, I did it. The point I'm making is because he pled no contest in the proceedings, that triggered the NBA's ability to step in and take disciplinary action. They're just not going to do it until he actually signs with the team. And if you recall, he had a qualifying offer from Charlotte before I think he got the offer, like maybe a week before he ended up getting arrested. And then that qualifying offer expired. So he's just a restricted free agent right now. I guess in theory, we would have the ability in Charlotte to, to match any offer that he would get from another team, but I would hope the Hornets wouldn't do that. I would hope they would just kind of let him go. If the team wants some help, they can get some real help when they draft Victor next spring. <laughs> exactly. Tanking for Wemby. On another note, right now Idaho is playing a team called Walla Walla University. W-A-L-L-A-W-A-L-L-A. Walla Walla. And they're down 100 to 39. Yikes. Let's see what else we got here. I guess we better recap the the underdogs from last week quick, and then we can just throw oh, yeah. out some picks for this week and move on past this. Let's do it. Okay. Um, I'll start with my underdog pick last week really quickly. I had the Jazz plus two and a half at the Lakers. The Jazz ended up winning outright, 130 to 116. Another easy cover. Lori Markinen had 27. Clarkson had 20. Uh, Mike Conley had 15. And it was just a good dub for the Jazz against Mickey Mouse, Los Angeles Lakers. I have nothing else to say about the game. (laughs) (laughs) I had the Wizards minus three because the line started as Wizards plus two and moved to minus three. So not really an underdog, but that's okay. Versus the Nets. And they lost by 42. (laughs) That uh, That was quite surprising. It was just one of those games where you can't stop KD and he's running all over you and then he snaps your defender's ankle and everyone just turns off the game and it's over. The Nets, I feel like you 
we don't have to talk about the Nets anymore. We kind of covered them already, but they're just one of those teams that you can't like accurately predict what's going to happen night in and night out because one night KD is going to come out and run the floor and the team's going to gel. And then the next time, the next night KD is going to come back out and drop 35, but everyone else is going to look like garbage and they're going to get blown out by 25. So true. Let's get throw out our picks for this week. And then we got to get to the question box. I'm, I'm dying to get into it. Why don't you start since I picked first last week, I guess. Pick a favorite, right. I'll pick a favorite, and then we can go to underdogs here. All right. My favorite this week, my favorite favorite is going to be the Boston Celtics playing at home Friday night against the Denver Nuggets. I think they're a better team, and the Nuggets have had some off nights, and I think the Celtics can rattle them and just beat them. They've been beating opponents by a good margin. I think they'll keep the streak alive. I think the Celtics will probably cover that as well. I am going to take the Suns minus eight in Orlando. I think that it, I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say. I think it's an easy matchup for the Suns, even though they're playing in Orlando. Obviously, the Magic have been not winning a lot, but they're still playing decent. And Paulo Banquero has been looking really, really good this season. But I think the Suns are just too much of a powerhouse in the league right now even though they're not in first place in the conference. And I know they lost Cam Johnson, right? He's out for the season. Yeah, he's out for a month. Out for, oh, geez. I don't know why I thought he was out for the season. (laughs) Cam Johnson is never playing basketball again. (laughs) I got to create a parody account and tweet out that Cam Johnson's (laughs) out for the season. Um, Okay, so he's out for a month, but he's he's one of their starters this season. He just got bumped up to the starting role. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of mesh without him as they go through a couple more games here. But I do think that the the Magic just don't have what it takes to match up with the Suns. So hopefully, you know, the Suns can cover the eight-point spread, which is pretty big for an NBA game. Yeah, as soon as they got DeAndre and back, then Cam Johnson goes down and Jay Crowder is still having his petty war with the team. So, But they're playing in literally Mickey Mouse land. So... Hopefully they can get a good win there. The real question will be when the magic run bull bull at shooting guard, how's Devin Booker going to match up? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't want to match up with him. Not that he wouldn't be able to defend him, but it just seems, seems too bizarre. They need to put somebody taller on him. My underdog pick for tomorrow night is going to be the thunder plus five at home versus the Raptors. They've been keeping games close. They've been getting surprising wins. I think the Raptors have to travel a long way. So I think the Thunder can keep it close, get it done, maybe even win outright. We'll see. I am okay. (laughs) I think that's going to be a tough game for the Thunder, even though they're playing at home. I wish you well. Uh, (laughs) I I will get my flowers next episode. I am taking Cleveland, who is somehow an underdog against Golden State tomorrow night. Uh, Cleveland plus two, which basically just means I'm taking Cleveland outright. But I have no clue how Cleveland is um, an underdog in this matchup. The Warriors have not looked good this season. The Cavs have looked fantastic. And as far as I know, they have everyone healthy right now. Mm -hmm. I... You know, the Warriors have a fantastic roster on paper. I'm not going to discount them out of any game this season, but just in terms of where the teams are at right now, I'm going to take the Cavs plus two. This is a perfect 
perfect segue right here for us to get into the mailbox questions. Just for just for those listening, Nick has not seen the mailbox questions. I've and, been in uh, charge of it today. We, for those that might not know, Josh posted on the Queen City Control Room um, Instagram story, Dropbox or a message box where followers could, you know, drop their picks, their hot takes, questions, anything like that. So I have not seen anything yet, and I'm really excited to jump right in. <laughs> we cover all kind of sports here and also miscellaneous. So <laughs> going off the Cavs train, well, I guess first we should say the Dropbox was drop your hot takes, picks, questions, anything you have. Was it anonymous too? I'm not answering that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I won't know who asked the question, I guess. But... All right, your first one for you. Donovan do Mitchell, MVP this season. Salute. I don't hate the pick. I don't hate it. I like I think it. He, he's, he's like third in the rankings right now. I think he's got some really stiff competition in Giannis and Luka. But right now, it's a, it's a I would say it's a three-man race right now. I mean, we're 10, 15 games into the season at this point. It's still super early, and there's a lot that can happen. I've, I seen, know a that, lot of, I've seen a lot of people calling him Don recently, and I think that fits way better. <laughs> I like it. Don I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like the pick. Um, he would, I guess he is in third place, so he's not really a long shot, but I think compared to Giannis and Luca and how they're playing right now, he would be a long shot. So I like the pick though. I like the pick and I, I would honestly root for that. Yeah. I think there's a big gap there between two and three, but I think if they keep winning and he keeps putting up numbers, he could close the gap a little bit. And I think a lot of it will determine or will be based too on how the teams end up doing uh, this season. Right. I think I could be a little bit biased because I'm a, I'm a bigger Luca fan, I guess, than Giannis, even though Giannis is probably the best player in the world right now. Um, and I picked Luca to, to win MVP in the, you know, in our preseason picks here on the pod. But I think I, I look at the stats, right? I made a note of this so I could mention it. And I guess we're getting a little bit off topic, but that's kind of what we're going to do here. Um Giannis is averaging 31, 12, and 5, and Luca is averaging 34, 8, and 8. So overall, pretty comparable stats. Luca's scoring more and assisting more, and Giannis is obviously rebounding by plus four a game. But to me, I think the biggest reason, as an outsider, obviously, that Giannis is number one in the odds right now to win MVP is the team's record. Uh, Milwaukee's 10 and 1. And um, after their win tonight and Dallas is only six and four. I know that wins are considered, I think, because. I mean, maybe they're not expressly considered in the factors that are espoused by the relevant you know, voters for the award, but I think they are in theory considered because MVP should go to um someone who is like actually valuable to their team and, and propelling that team to victory night in and night out. But it's weird to me that Giannis would be number one. If that's the reason that he's number one over Luca, because like last year, 
why wasn't Devin Booker considered a little bit higher in the MVP race? I know he's still going against really good players with Jokic and Embiid and Giannis in the top three, but Devin Booker averaged 25, five and five on the best team in the NBA. And no one even mm-hmm. talked about him except for Suns fans. The disrespecter yeah. on the league is unreal. Only player to ever average 25, five and five on the winningest team in the NBA and not be the MVP. Exactly. So you either have to consider wins and the team's record in the MVP race, or you don't. And if you don't consider the wins or you look at it, look at it a different way as well. And then we can move on to the next question in the, in the message box here. I think Luca is doing more with less. I think if you compare the Milwaukee roster and the Dallas roster, Milwaukee is pretty stacked. Yeah, true. Yeah. They just have to be consistent with it, with the wins. If they're going to count them, think about it for everybody, but if you're not going to worry about it, then don't use it so much. It's like that one season where Steve Nash won MVP because he was on the team that had like 63 or 64 wins and then Kobe averaged like 36 in the Lakers, but they didn't win as much, so he didn't win the award. Exactly. Hopefully that doesn't happen to Luca this season, but I could see that being the case. Um, Cause I don't know that Dallas is going to be, you know, a, a powerhouse in the Western conference. Um, I did see there was a night earlier and I don't know, a week and a half ago, maybe where I, I think Giannis missed the game. I don't know if he was injured or if he was just resting. Um, Giannis missed the game and Bobby Portis put up like 18 rebounds or 16 rebounds in, in the game. And like, it must've been right before MVP, like, um, award trackers for some of these organizations were put out because they were putting out like top 10 MVP candidates and like Bobby Portis was number seven. I'm like, <laughs> really? Like, I'm not like the, Bobby Portis fine, whatever he's, he can be a beast on the boards, but like Bobby Portis for MVP. What are we, what are we doing right now? Bobby Portis is him. But like, I I think, uh, I I guess I I keep getting us really off track, but they also, I'm I'm looking at basketball reference, uh, their 2022-2023 MVP award tracker. And like, they have Devin Booker listed 10th right now, which seems a little bit, a little bit of a shot or a little bit of a disrespectful shot at, at Booker right now. It's early. It's early. That's all I'll say. The point of these questions are to go on all the little roads that we can follow (laughs) and not have a point to it all. So wherever it takes us is fine today. It's a vibe. We're just vibing here. Next one I got for you. Who finishes higher ranked this season? The Utah Jazz or the Portland Trailblazers? Um... I think it's a great question. I think that ultimately it will probably be, oh, I don't know. I keep, I go back and forth on the jazz, even though they're number one in the conference right now, because I feel like Danny Ainge specifically did what he did this off season so that he could tank to get Wimbanyama. And obviously they're 10 and three, but like, I don't know. I just feel like at some point the wheels are going to fall off, but they have, they have a better roster, I think, than, than Portland. Wouldn't you say? I don't know. I think the trailblazers just played the Hornets like 
two games ago or three games ago, and Dame looks scary. Mm-hmm. Simmons looks a little less scary, but still scary. They obviously have Jeremy Grant that they got from Detroit. They have Gary oh. Payton that they signed from. Shaden Sharp uh, is what I was going to mention. He looks scary right now for the league. He's playing great. If I had to make a call on this one, I feel like it's going to be the Jazz. I think the Jazz are probably going to finish higher than Portland. Despite the fact that Dame is scary and Fernice <laughs> Simons or Simmons is, is a really good player as well and stepped up big time last year when Dame was out and they have Jeremy Grant, I just feel like top to bottom, Utah has a better roster, even though uh, Portland obviously has more star power and individual players. So I'll take, I will take Utah on this one. That's fine. You can, you can take your jazz and run with them. I'm taking the trailblazers all the way to the bank. I am not claim. Uh, let's be clear. I'm not claiming the Jazz. These are not, this is not my Jazz team. Oh, it's too late for that. <laughs> we have it on record now. We have it on record. Okay. No, that's all right. I'll take them. I think I do think the wheels are going to fall off, but it is so interesting right now to me to see, um, to see the Jazz kind of running the floor and to see Lori Markinen running the floor for Utah because. I had a lot of games in Cleveland last year where I was putting money on Lori Markinen to do literally anything. And I just felt like night after night, he was a flop. And I love to see a player who like gets traded out of a situation that maybe they weren't extremely happy in or where they weren't, you know, excelling. And then they go to a new team and they, they can prove that they actually, should you know they should have been paid the big bucks they should be getting all the floor time because they're actually running the floor and like i mentioned before i was on the mvp award tracker from basketball reference and they had Lori marketing at let's see here i don't remember which tab it is in but he was like seventh in the top 10 and for good reason like he is playing out of his mind right now and also a little fun fact i see he's listed at seven foot how about that okay he's Listed at seven foot, but plays the three. Tall, tall guy. If you're <sighs> sitting at home and you're wondering right now, what team keeps the, their opponents to the lowest points per game? The correct answer would be the Portland Trailblazers. And nobody would have guessed it, but our defense Definitely. is wilding right now. Well, you may win the bet. I would say Portland definitely came out with the better city edition jerseys. I love the PDX on there. That's I never know that was Portland. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the like three letters that they use for their airport. I guess Same that thing. would make sense. There's not many other ones. It could have been Phoenix, but it's too close and there's no D in Phoenix. So Same thing with uh Charlotte and the CLT, obviously, but I still think that the Warriors City Edition jerseys with like the gold flower on them look strange. I don't really have anything else to say. I just wanted to throw that into the throw that into the universe here. I think they look awesome. I should get one. You should get one. I'm gonna get Kamingas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have two NBA ones left here. Okay. One and a half. First one, the Lakers 
are going to recover. Wait, it's a two-parter. Two-parter. Okay. Lakers are going to finish above 500. Are you asking me if they will? No, it's a statement. It's a hot take. <laughs> oh, it's a spicy um, take. I yeah, that that is one way to describe it. I could not possibly disagree with the take more. They definitely will not finish above 500. Book it, clip it, post it on Twitter, pin it to the profile. The Los Angeles Lakers are not finishing above 500 this season. Fair enough. Second part, if they don't, then Coach Ham is going to be on the hot seat. Is he going to be on the hot seat after this year if they keep losing? I think that Palenka will probably give Darwin another season because I think that he's going to recognize that Darwin Ham stepped into a pretty big mess when he took the job. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat, but I think Polinka will say like, okay, man, you know, we can't keep, can't keep you around if you're going to keep losing. So, you know, next season, I think if he has a repeat performance then he's probably on the hot seat, but I wouldn't be too worried that he's going to be out on his ass after one season. Yeah. Same. I, it's hard for most organizations. I'd probably give him three years at least, but for the Lakers, if he doesn't, turned around by a second year even though he's never coached before he'll probably be out but they also hired Luke Walton from the Warriors before they were good before the Lakers were good and after one year they were like oh it's okay we'll let you keep coaching and then like 10 games into the next season they were like see ya send him hacking yeah well Darvin Ham signed a four-year contract. I just don't know offhand if that was guaranteed or what. I don't know the terms of the contract. So I guess it doesn't really mean anything because if it's not all guaranteed, then it doesn't really matter. Like in Charlotte, Steve Clifford got a three-year contract, but the team has an option after the first year and the second year, obviously, to cut ties if they don't like how it's going. So who knows if the Lakers have the ability to cut him or I guess they could always buy him out even if the money's guaranteed, but yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too worried if I was Darvin Ham just yet, especially because I feel like, I feel like he's doing a good job of turning the, the culture, I guess, for the Lakers around a little bit. Like it seems like he is a good guy, good coach. He just doesn't obviously have like the roster, which is crazy to say because he has LeBron and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. And five years ago, if you would have said that, you probably would have assumed this team would be in the NBA finals. But obviously, you know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not turning out that way for them um, this season. Yeah, I think but. I think the money probably is not a huge deal. They'll probably just buy them out if they want to, no matter what. Even if it's fifty million or something, it's just. Nothing to the organization, really. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to add about Utah, going back to that point from before that I just noticed, I forgot that Ochai Agbaji went to Utah in the Donovan Mitchell trade. And it's pretty disappointing for him because, I mean, he we watched a couple of his games in Summer League, right? And I know that that doesn't compare to the regular season here, but... Um, 
he looked really good, really, really good in summer league. And now he's played in only six games and he's only averaging 11 minutes in each of those games. He's averaging three points a game, one rebound, not even an assist per game, like kind of disappointing, but it's also extremely shocking. And I think speaks to the way that Utah season is going that with a rookie phenom, like he should be Ochai, he's not playing at all, basically, which is kind of crazy. That's completely off topic from what you're talking about with Darvin Ham, but <laughs> it was up in front of my face right now on my screen. So I just wanted to throw that out there. We, we stand for Ochai Baji. Hopefully he gets some minutes, keeps getting yeah. better. And I'm sure that he thought when he went to Utah, he was going to get some minutes with how everyone was talking about Wimbanyama tanking and everything. So probably a little disappointing for him as well, but that's okay. Last one, NBA-wise. Last one, NBA-wise. Cool. (laughs) On this podcast, we are not going to let the trolls get us down. This one says, the king of Charlotte, the man of the hour, the one we're all waiting for, Lamelo Ball is overrated. We're not going to spend much time with that. We're just going to let it. We're going to let it simmer. Yeah. How do I respond to this without getting too crazy? Uh, I think there are a lot of people out there right now saying that he's overrated, but I will say he won Rookie of the Year. He made All Star team last year as a as a alternate when I forget who stepped out maybe it was KD stepped out with an injury so they named LaMelo as the alternate all-star but he still made an all-star team and I think you have to I think that the basis of the claim that LaMelo is overrated is that he's not putting up the numbers that other people are and he's not like propelling a team to victory but you have to look at the team that's around him Look at the situation that he's in. I mean, I don't think James Borrego was a horrible coach. I think he did the job that he was hired to do in Charlotte, but he certainly wasn't developing LaMelo the way that he should have been. He definitely wasn't playing him as much as I would say a lot of Hornets fan, a lot of Hornets fans wanted LaMelo to play. And I think that under the under the new Steve Clifford system, I think we're really going to see LaMelo flourish a little bit. And there's going to be a lot more of an opportunity, at least this season, for LaMelo to step up and put up those big numbers because no one else is really doing it. So hopefully LaMelo can put the haters' words to rest, and that's all I have to say about it because that's a garbage take. Yeah. I think he's coming back strong. He... This has been his team for like a year now, but we haven't seen him play since last spring. So I think six or eight months from then is going to make a big difference. He'll come out steamrolling teams. Right. And I will say too, the reason that he hasn't played in this long, at least from what Steve Clifford is saying, is that they want to make sure that they're not bringing him back too early because they don't want him to re-injure himself. Like they could have rushed him back. They could have rushed him through rehab and he could have been playing at pretty high risk of re-injuring himself. And then we're back in the same boat. They want to make sure he is 100% before he steps back on the floor. And I think that fact alone indicates that he's going to be ready and he's going to put up those big numbers. 
The longer he waits to come back, the higher chance we have of getting Scoot Henderson. <laughs> on a tangent from and on a tangent from this, actually, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but looking back on the last draft, do you wish that the Hornets would have perhaps packaged the thirteenth and fifteenth pick to jump up to? You know, I don't think Houston or Orlando or OKC were going to give up their, you know, three pick their top three picks there. But do you wish that the Hornets would have jumped up and maybe tried to trade with the Pistons to get Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray with the Kings or Benny Matherin with the Pacers? I don't know what team accepts that necessarily, but I think probably anyone from four to 12 would have accepted a trade to jump up yeah i don't i don't know if four or five would have six maybe if we threw in gordon and a next year second round pick or something but yeah. i think it could have easily been done to get up to like seven or eight and get shade and sharp that would have been very cool to see mark williams is just chilling in the g league right now not doing much I like Mark Williams a lot and no, he, I mean, he's putting up big numbers in the G league, but he doesn't. Yeah. He's not going to play on the Hornets roster as it stands right now. And I know a lot of people say that he needs to get a little bit bigger and he doesn't have the physicality to like compete at the, at the professional or like the NBA level yet. But I think if he got a shot to actually play some consistent, decent minutes for the Hornets, he might surprise some people, but I think that if we had a different, I don't know. I was going to say if we had a different rookie, maybe the rookie actually gets some minutes and makes an impact on the team, which is the only reason I was bringing the question up in the first place. Mm-hmm. Then like, I don't know. I probably don't, I, I don't actually think that that probably would be the case because I mean, look at the rest of our, look at the rest of our like first and second year players, right? Like, <laughs> book night is playing more now but still not playing like super significant minutes um kai jones obviously not playing a whole lot who am i missing right now oh jt thor also not oh, playing yeah. a whole lot so i don't know you look back and wonder but all we can do is look forward to the next draft when we hear um adam silver announced that the hornets have drafted Women Yama with the number one pick in the 2023 draft. Yep. Charlotte's going to get one by Yama and CJ Stroud in the same year. It's going to be an amazing time for the city of Charlotte. Fans are going to burn the city to the ground. I was going to bring it to your attention earlier in the show. It slipped my mind, obviously, as things do. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to guess who said this one. I think you have a good chance. The quote of the day here says, if could be the move, quote, could be the move, isn't said within the first 45 seconds of this episode, I'm going to stop listening. <laughs> I'm not surprised that Ryan sent that into the <laughs> Dropbox. <laughs> we're going to have to add it in now, but send him our condolences that we're not putting it in the beginning. Could be the move. Could be the move. <laughs> I like the, I like the take. Same. I appreciate the participation. 
<laughs> Last one. Switching over to football a little bit. Okay. Who do you think is going to make the college football playoff come January? You do your four, and then I'll do my four. Hmm. I think Georgia will make it in. I think Ohio State will make it in. I think that Tennessee still makes it in, despite losing to Georgia. And I think that TCU probably takes the fourth spot. But a lot of that depends on what happens. I mean, obviously, it all depends on what happens the rest of the season. But in my mind, I think TCU has to go undefeated to make it into the playoff. If they lose any games, including their game this weekend against uh, Texas, then I think TCU gets bounced. Because I think a lot of people, not myself, but I think a lot of people that probably know a little bit more about college football are considering them like a little bit of a Mickey Mouse team, even though they're obviously undefeated and they have some big wins this year. Um, And then obviously from the big 10, you have Michigan and Ohio state. And I think that whoever wins their game, which is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, I think you said before, um, Mm -hmm. whoever wins the game between those two is going to win the big 10 and that team will get in. I think Ohio state will beat Michigan at home. And I think Ohio state will win the big 10 and I think Ohio state will make the the playoff obviously with that, with that um, resume. But I think if Michigan does beat them, then I think Michigan gets in over Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, I could see that happening. I have something sort of similar. I think Georgia, I've obviously had the entire day to think about this. I saw a question earlier. But I have Georgia at number one. I think they're looked at as the best team in college football right now. And I don't think anybody's going to really mess that up. And then at two, I have the Buckeyes. I have them winning a close game against Michigan in Columbus. And then I have to say, I think TCU will probably, the wheels will fall off at some point. And as soon as they lose one game, I think they're probably done for. So I think that'll take them out of the running. And then, so at three, I have Michigan. Ohio State and Michigan in the semifinals. Doesn't get better than that. And then at four, I think Tennessee sneaks back in there. Tennessee will only have lost one game if they keep winning, and it'll be, well, they got killed by Georgia, but it'll be to the other team in the playoff, and Michigan will have only lost one game, and it'll be to the other team in the playoff. So I think those are the four that I'm going to go with. What I'm hoping, go ahead. I don't know if they can actually both Ohio State and Michigan make it in, but that would be amazing. Yeah, I think what I'm hoping for in a championship game is Ohio State and Tennessee, because I think it would just be a shootout between the teams. Like you could, I think you could have, I mean, the over under wouldn't be this high, but I think you could have like a hundred plus total points in the in the championship game if you had Ohio State and Tennessee playing easily maybe not maybe not easily but it would be a lot of fun to go like okay um there's 
six minutes left in the game and it's like 55 to 52 right now. Yeah, that is a, that I think happening. that's a distinct possibility. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, w- I would love to see, though, something crazy happen. And I don't know that it will with the games that are left on the college football schedule. But I would just love to see things get just thrown into absolute chaos. Like Georgia lose a game randomly. I don't know, Ole Miss make it to the SEC championship game and beat Georgia in the SEC championship for Georgia's second loss of the year. Like, I know that that's probably not going to happen, but that would be insane. And it would just make it, like, I would love to go into, I don't know what they call it in college football, I guess. I'm thinking, like, Selection Sunday, but obviously that's basketball. Whatever day it is that they reveal the the final playoff ranking and reveal who's actually going to get into the playoff. I would love to like not actually know who's going to get in. They should just not announce it until the teams run onto the field of the semifinals. <laughs> and I think this season in particular is an extremely good example of why they're bumping it up to 12 teams. Yeah, that would I can't be wait a- until it gets to be to 12 teams. That's going to be fun action right there. That would be a really, really fun, you know, 12 team playoff right now. I say let's just keep it rolling and talk about the college football games this week. And then after that, we can jump back to some college basketball. Yeah, sounds good. I I don't think there are that many huge games this week compared to the last couple of weeks where like there's been a few there's been a lot of really big games that people have had their eyes on. I think this week it's more of like teams are a couple teams are going to get tested and see if they're as good as they, as people think they are. So a couple games that I have marked, I'll ask you what you think about them. Okay. Obviously I mentioned number four TCU going in and playing at number 18, Texas, Texas is a seven and a half seven and a half point favorite in the game. I would love to know your thoughts on that. (laughs) I've been pondering this game for the majority of today and yesterday. I didn't realize that Texas was seven point favorites at first. It's, it's wild, but last week I was like, Oh, I don't understand how Georgia's nine point favorites over the, number one team in the college football rankings and Vegas obviously knew something that I didn't and knew how good Georgia was in reality at home so I think Texas is probably better than the general public is giving them credit for and everyone's waiting for TCU to fall off and I think this might be the game where TCU suffers their loss on the road unfortunately for them Yeah, I think it's pretty well noted that TCU's biggest flaw is, you know, they're winning a lot of games, but they are doing so by giving up a lot of points. Um, But Texas, you know, despite the fact that they have a good team and they're they're in a good spot, obviously, they're number 18, they still have had a couple of weird losses lately or a couple of like weirdly close games. They haven't really been blowing teams out. 
I have their schedule up in front of me. And just to even go back to the beginning, you know, they lost to Bama by one point at the beginning of the season. They be, they lost to Texas tech by three, who's now unranked. And that I think was without Quinn Ewer still, they only beat West Virginia by 18. Obviously everyone knows they walloped Oklahoma 49 to nothing, but Oklahoma <laughs> is tr- trash this year. They only beat Iowa state by three. They lost to Oklahoma state by seven and they only beat Kansas state by seven. And the big 12 is basically a crapshoot this season. Um, any given team could come out and play well any given week. So I, I don't know. I would say TCU covers the spread, but I don't know who's winning the game. Yeah. I think it's, I think Texas is winning, but it's going to be close. Seven points is, it's hard because they would either obviously have to win by 10 or 14, probably. I think they probably win by seven, around seven, four, seven, or 10. It's close. Yeah. I think they win, but not sure what it's going to be final score wise. Right. Right. Yeah, I think I think uh I think TCU will cover. I I would love to see TCU come out and like shut up the haters and and come out and beat Texas by two touchdowns and show why they deserve to be in the college football playoff discussion, but I'm not confident that that will happen. Okay, next game I have is North Carolina who's ranked 15 at Wake Forest, who's unranked. Wake Forest is a four-point favorite. I'm not even sure about this game. I've been on the Wake Forest bandwagon, and then I've been off, and I've been back on. I've been all over the board. But obviously Carolina has a better quarterback, better offense, but their defense is still giving me nightmares here, trying to take them. I would probably go with Wake Forest. Just, just have to pull a trigger, go for it. I know that North Carolina's defense was ass the first half of the season, but their defense has actually gotten better the second half, I would say. Um, I know they gave up 45 to Notre Dame in their only loss of the season but they only gave up 10 to Virginia Tech. They gave up 24 to um, Miami. They gave up 35 to Duke. They gave up 24 to Pittsburgh. I'm not saying, or 28 to Virginia after that as well. I'm not saying they have like a top defense in, in college football right now, but their defense in terms of the amount of yards that they're giving up every game has, I would say, markedly improved. Um, I think this is going to probably be a big test for them. Obviously, you know, Wake Forest isn't ranked, but we also saw Wake Forest take Clemson to, I don't know if I can't remember if it was one overtime or multiple overtimes, but that was, that game ended up like 51 to 45 and Clemson is now bounced from the college football discussion after losing to Notre Dame last week. But I don't know, maybe this is because I'm biased and I like the North Carolina teams, but I will take North Carolina to cover and I will take North Carolina outright in or at Wake Forest. 
It's a heat check game. We'll it is. get back on next week. We'll talk about the result. But <laughs> if North Carolina wins, I think it puts them in the top 10. I think if they lose, it's going to be some sad vibes around Chapel Hill. For sure. I think it will be interesting to see what Drake May does. Obviously, I know that he's not technically probably going to win the Heisman, but statistically, comparing the numbers, you have to admit he maybe should at least be in like the legitimate discussion. I think some people are throwing him in there just based on the numbers, but I mean, anytime you have someone who's putting up those numbers, and only has one loss, I mean, you got to at least consider them. And I think, like you said, this will be a heat check game. Not that Wake Forest has, like, the best defense in college football or anything, but faced with some adversity, it'll be interesting to see what Drake May comes out and does. I'll give Drake May. I'll put him in the top five for the Heisman at the moment. For sure. That's what we'll give him. I marked down LSU ranked number seven is three and a half point favorite in Arkansas. And this is another heat check, I guess, or, you know, is LSU really as good as they, as they've indicated, they had a bad loss in the beginning of the season to Florida state. Um, They didn't get blown out. It was, I I guess I would call it an unlucky loss, right. Um, When they scored and then missed the extra point to tie it and send it to overtime. but. (laughs) They also just beat Alabama. That's noteworthy. Alabama this year isn't isn't the Alabama of past years, but they're still a top football team in the country, and LSU put them down last week. And Arkansas hasn't been playing out of their minds, but it's the SEC. Anything can happen week in and week out. And if LSU can go in and take care of business against Arkansas, I think they're they're going to make a little bit of a jump here. So I would take LSU to cover three and a half. Yeah, I've been going back and forth in this game between, on one hand, LSU just got the big win last week, so big letdown spot here. But on the other hand, Brian Kelly's a great coach and gets his team up for games even after big wins, and he doesn't usually lose letdown spot games like this. So I'd probably just have to ride with Brian Kelly, go with the Tigers. For sure. And then the last game I had, number nine, Alabama, at number 11, Ole Miss. Alabama's a 12-point favorite and, by all means, should win this game. Should probably easily cover the spread. Ole Miss is, I'm surprised they're number 11 in the country. But I would love to see Ole Miss knock off Alabama and make a run at the SEC championship game just purely for the sake of throwing this game into chaos or throwing the the college football landscape into chaos and and who really deserves to be in the top 10 and who deserves to be in the top four and making it into the college football playoff. So I think if I was voting on this with my with my gut, I would say Alabama is covering the 12-point spread. If I was voting for this based on how I want things to happen, I would say Ole Miss covers and wins outright. If I'm going on this game, which I definitely will be, 
with my heart, I have got to go with Ole Miss plus 12. Alabama is not the Alabama that we know and hate. They are a different team this year. Bryce Young is. He's been not great, but their defense has been able to hold teams down. But I think Ole Miss, they have the playbook now that LSU has, and they have them at home, which makes a huge difference. I think they can get it done. Let's hope so. I don't have any other games that I really care to talk about unless you do. I mean, I was going to say we could talk about Ohio state and Penn state, but both teams should win their games by double digits. So yeah, not really. As long as we get some nice weather in Columbus, we're going to be rolling. You mean as long as it's not blowing like 50 mile an hour winds and downpouring. Yeah, that would be nice. I think Ohio State has like a, what, 38? I think the last time I looked, it was like a 38-point spread or something like that. It's 40 right now. 40. Gone up. Anything else, college football? I think we kind of covered no. what we need to cover here. No, I got some college basketball talk. I want to talk about them. I think I told you we went to the University of Buffalo Bulls game on Monday. Horns up. Go Bulls. It was the first college basketball game I went to this year. We went with my brother and sister-in-law and nephew. Good vibes. The stadium had a little bit. It was a little bit more packed than I thought it would be. There was quite a few people there. The Bulls ended up winning 89-88. It was close. It was a great first game to go to against Colgate, not the toothpaste, the university, believe it or not. It is, I haven't been to a game yet, but I can imagine getting back into a crowd, you know, getting back into a crowd for a college basketball game. There's really nothing like it, especially for your hometown team. I don't know. I am excited to get going to some games this season as well. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, now we're living about an hour and a half, give or take from Bonaventure, um, but especially with how good some of the teams are going to be in the A-10 this year, I definitely want to go down and catch a couple of games down in Olean as well. So, Yeah, we'll have that, to make that happen. Definitely. A quarter and a half into the game, as soon as they took the lead, I was like, I think UB could probably win the MAC this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything much about the other MAC teams, but it's a vibe. Vibes are high. We're winning the MAC. We're, we're winning the NCAA tournament game. Vibes are high now. If we could just get a pro team back in Buffalo, that'd be great as well. True. The guard play uh, by UB is it's high right now. We have a couple of guards. They were coming in, they were dunking, they were splashing threes, they were getting steals in the passing lanes. I don't know. I, I didn't watch many games with them last year, but I I feel like they just have better guard play than they've had the last couple of years. Would love to see UB make a run get into the tournament again. That would be a lot of fun. Get we the beat DeAndre Ayton in 2017 or 2016. We could do it again. We got to not hang our hat on that and find something new this season to propel the, <laughs> propel the university forward basketball-wise. So Okay, the UB alumni won the, the basketball tournament over the summer. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we cannot any longer talk about DeAndre Ayton because that's actually really amazing 
that UB beat um, Arizona, but it would be very cool if we also had something new this season to say like, yeah, Buffalo went back to the NCAA tournament and even got the, the, you know, the first weekend dub and everything. So would be cool. Get get a little love in Western New York here. Yeah, that would be amazing. The queen city in Charlotte is thriving with basketball. The queen city in Buffalo thriving right now. Thriving all the way around. The vibes are high. The the thing with college basketball so far, obviously it started, like we mentioned earlier, this is night four. The thing that's different with college basketball, or at least the start to the season this year, is there's not really any big games, you know, early on in the season yet. We're just seeing a lot of the games that the teams typically schedule to kind of like get the ball rolling for the season, right? Games where teams should blow out their opponents you know they're in some cases paying them to play them so that you know maybe teams get on a little bit of a roll you blow somebody out by 40 you feel your or you find your offensive rhythm a little bit and you get the season started but I want to note that or at least raise the question to you um, have you noticed all of the upsets that are actually happening couple of them i think just for general college basketball fans or just your average everyday basketball fan probably the most popular upset we've seen so far is louisville losing yeah kenny Payne. Sure. kenny Payne. p-a-i-n that would be tough start tough tough start listen to Listen to all of these upsets, okay? Florida State loses to Stetson. Rhode Island loses to Quinnipiac. Cleveland State loses to Notre Dame College. Temple loses to Wagner. Oklahoma loses to Sam Houston State. South Florida loses to Southeastern Missouri. Kansas City loses to Lincoln. Northern Illinois loses to Illinois Springfield. UCF loses to UNC Asheville. USC loses to Florida Gulf Coast. Cal loses to UC Davis. Boise State loses to South Dakota State. And like you just mentioned, Louisville loses to Bellarmine. I just don't know what is going on. I mean, in, I mean, an easy way to look at some of these games is by looking at like the closing lines in the game. And I don't have those in front of me, but I would guess if you went back through and averaged closing lines for all 15 of those games about that I just went through the closing line was probably 22 points on average 22 to 25 points on average and the money line odds for those teams to win or I guess like the favorites to win I guess I'll say the average is probably like minus 4,500 minus 5,000 across those 15 games I I don't know what's going on, but I love to see the basketball, the college basketball universe specifically, just in absolute chaos. Yeah, me too. I saw, I didn't see too many of them before they happened. I saw Florida State was like minus 2,500. And I saw Bellarmine was like plus 400. 
which started as plus 400 and then with like six minutes left they were up by 20 and they were minus 5,000 to win mm-hmm. and then they blew the entire lead to where Louisville missed their final couple shots and they ended up hanging on but it was like plus 400 to minus 5,000 to plus 200 to holding on right it's it's just crazy to me like I know this happens every year teams are gonna lose a couple like one-off games and stuff like that but like you run through the list I don't know the roster makeup of all of these teams right but like okay let's say like Cal or actually let's say USC makes the NCAA tournament this year and you're filling in your bracket on ESPN tournament challenge and you know how you click on a team and it's like blah, blah, blah. Here's how the players played this season. Here's kind of the highlights. Here are some good wins and here are some bad losses. Right. And I I'm kind of thinking about it in that regard where it's like, if I pull up USC as like a six seed in the tournament, one of their bad losses is going to be to Florida Gulf coast. Who's probably not making the NCAA tournament this year. It just is. It's so it's funny. It's funny to me that like, it's funny to me how things can happen in in sports, generally speaking, but especially in college basketball, where like on any given night, a team could walk in and, um, you know, escape with a win here, like Bellarmine and, and Louisville. Different motivations going into the game. I think Louisville was uh, eight and a half, nine and a half, seven and a half point favorite going into the game. I think the line shifted a couple times. But Bellarmine located in Louisville as well, you know, kind of like crosstown rivals, different motivations going into the game instead of uh, a game you're going and scheduling against a team you've never really heard of or you've never played against before just for just for kind of kicks, right? I just love to see it. I just love to, unless I have like a personal vested interest in, in a team that I'm watching, I'm generally always rooting for the upset just because it throws things into chaos. If Louisville loses to a team within their own city, they should be forced to give up the naming rights and Bellarmine should now be called Louisville University. Did you see what Bellarmine tweeted after the game? (laughs) No. I'm going to pull him up because it was funny. Okay, I pulled up the Bellarmine men's basketball Twitter account and they tweeted a graphic out of like the final score with their 67 on the left-hand side and Louisville's logo in the score 66 on the right-hand side and their caption on the photo wishes L's go down. That's, <laughs> that's hilarious from a team that by all means is, is going to probably suck this year. Um, they're not going to make a splash nationally. And this will probably be like their claim to fame for the entire season is the fact that they beat Louisville in, in night one. Um, it's just, I love, I love to see the social media managers of sports teams like clapping back at each other and everything. It, it really brings a lot of, uh, really brings a lot of laughs to the sports community. Yeah, I agree. Do love to see it, and everyone, all the college sports Twitter accounts are jumping on the bandwagon, and that's the content we need out there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I watched last night Davidson versus Wright State. Um, It was one of the few games that I thought was actually interesting on TV last night, but I also was watching because Davidson's 
is obviously in the A-10 and they have Foster Lawyer on their team who I think a lot of pundits, I guess I would say, are calling like not necessarily the next Jimmer Fredette, but he's Jimmer Fredette adjacent maybe. And it was very interesting because I took Davidson minus three and a half and they were down 21 in the first half. So not too happy about that, but then they ended up closing the gap in the second half, um, tied it up close at the end of the game, went through overtime, still tied. They ended up winning 102 to 97 in double overtime, which is also notable because that game total is also more than the Hornets generally score professionally, (laughs) which is embarrassing for the Hornets, but Foster lawyer put up 38, 11 and nine. And it's just an overall fun person to watch. Not going to be rooting for him when he's playing at St. Bonaventure, but it was a fun game. And Davidson's going to be a fun team to watch because I know in the Atlantic 10, you know, Dayton is obviously ranked 24 in the AP top 25 right now. I think St. Louis is probably one of the most underrated teams in the country. They probably, I don't know if they got other votes. I think they did receive other votes maybe one or two, I can't remember, but they're probably one of the most underrated teams in the country. And so those two teams, I think everyone's expecting to kind of run the table in the Atlantic 10, but Davidson, not necessarily the roster to compete, I would say, but they have the experience where they could at least make it run if they, you know, if, if it came to that point in the season. Either way though, I think this is promising to be a wild college basketball season. Um, the only other game I want to note because of being a fan of North Carolina is North Carolina opened their season on Monday, the seventh against um, UNC Wilmington, who people probably recognize if you're not from North Carolina, obviously you probably recognize them if you're from the state, but I would say not being from North Carolina, I rec- recognize UNC Wilmington from, you know, making the NCAA tournament here and there and just being a team that's recognizable, not necessarily great though. Um, But they only ended up beating them. I can't remember what the final score was, but North Carolina did not look fantastic against them. Um, They definitely didn't look like the number one team should look. They only ended up beating them by 13. I just pulled it up. And I don't know if it's because they're shaking off the cobwebs or just kind of trying to figure things out with Pete Nance instead of Brady Manick, but they probably should have rolled UNCW by 20, 25 points. And they only ended up beating them by 13. So fingers crossed that it's only uh, fingers crossed that it was just kind of like a shake the cobwebs, you know, let's get down to business next. And they play tomorrow night against Charleston. So should be a better output there for the Tar Heels. There's no chance anytime you say Pete Nance that I don't automatically think of Larry Nance Jr. I know. Hopefully he can actually make an impact on the Tar Heels this year and, uh, you know, trade minutes with Puff Johnson and make a good run. I don't know. I, I, I think UNC has a good chance to go coast to coast as the number one team in the country, but not if they play the way they did last night. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting to see to see how the, the season kind of shakes out. I mean, they're playing against for next couple of games, Charleston, Gardner Webb, James Madison, Portland. 
before they play number 13 Indiana on November 30th. So there's a couple of games here to kind of get the ball rolling before they got to face Trace Jackson Davis at the end of the month. Yeah, definitely need to get some get some experience in before they face him. That would be good for them. I don't have much more to talk about for college basketball because there hasn't really been a lot of games of note. I mean, the teams that are winning are generally the teams that are are favored to win are generally winning with the exception of, of those ones that we talked about. Um which I would say, even though we're spending some time talking about them, they're still the exception, right? I mean, there have been hundreds of basketball games so far, maybe not hundreds. It's probably been, probably, eh, there might have been hundreds already um, with the number of teams that have played this week, especially some playing two games this week now. So, generally speaking, the teams that are winning are the ones that were supposed to win. Nothing too crazy is going on yet. Yeah. All right. Last shout out of the day. Shout out. Ohio State women's basketball team ranked yes. number 14 in the country took down number five Tennessee at home fans stormed the court all around good game they were down in the second quarter but in the third quarter they outscored them by a lot got things back on the right path and they were rolling they just pretty much outplayed them in the second half and if you beat Tennessee on the woman's side, then it's a good day all around. Yeah. Tennessee women's basketball team, definitely a perennial powerhouse in college basketball. So really a really good win for Ohio state there for sure. All in all, the Hornets are never going to win another game. College basketball and college football are chaos right now. And the NBA is all over the place. All in all, with the Hornets' luck, the Hornets will go three and seventy-nine this year, set records for the worst, you know, overall record in the in NBA history. They'll have like a twenty percent chance to land the number one pick in the NBA lottery. Somehow they'll lose it and they'll get bumped down to like six. And then we're gonna miss out on Wimbenyama, Scoot Henderson, the G League Ignite Twins, any college basketball players, and somehow we're gonna get stuck with Drew Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> That does it for episode five of the Queen City Control Room podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Queen City CTRLRM, short for Control Room. You can also email Josh and I here at the show at Queen City Control Room at gmail.com if you have any questions, thoughts, comments. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.